104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Yep, here we are back in the studio again for another Sunday of Ned Talk. I'm Joe Weston, your amiable host. Uh, <laughs> Ned Reynolds is with us today, as always. He's the namesake of the show. Ned, are you warmed all the way down to your cockles today? I am uh, wishing for you to spell number one and define number two amiable. We'll do that after the show. <laughs> John Oliver sitting across from me. John, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm feeling a lot better, so I'm glad to be back. Josh Roberts, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm feeling very jovial today. Jovial? Jovial. Oh, that makes me chortled to hear you chortled. say that. Chortled. Makes oh me chortled gosh. to hear you it's say that. big word day here. On All right, let's start out. We Usually we uh, we save a game or something special for the third segment of the show, but we'll start out right away. Stupidest person in sports this week. Is it the receiver for the Raiders? for driving 110 miles an hour after Ruggs killed somebody doing the exact same thing or the same team, or is it Willie Gay with the Kansas City Chiefs? I, I give Willie Gay a pass because we are all human beings and lose your temper, and we've done all that. Fortunately for him, he did not physically assault anybody. So that's... And I must admit to you, I'm ignorant of the other Raider individual. Was yeah, just happened, yeah, just happened a couple of days ago. 110 miles an hour got pulled over for speeding. What on earth is going on with these people? Mm. Well, it shouldn't be in Las Vegas. Maybe that's yeah. it. Man, mm. I think that's part of the problem. Not a little John Barleycorn added into um, whatever yeah. the circumstances might be. Right. Well, Ned, I've spoken to the need for these young men that come into this money this early needing help keeping their heads on straight. I will definitely give the edge to the Raiders guy because from what I understand, Gabe broke a vacuum. Mm -hmm. That's a lot different than speeding at 110 where you might kill multiple individuals. I'm I'm right with you. Uh, Well, then obviously you're not standing up with all of those people that support vacuums. So, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and their win last week against Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, a little concerned. That first quarter did not look very Chiefs-like, mm-hmm. and it looks like maybe uh, that that overconfidence that what Ben Roethlisberger was trying to exude for the Chiefs looked like it was going to work out a little bit. Neither team was playing incredibly well. But then all of a sudden, you got to see the Chiefs again. Well, the fact of the matter remains, the Steelers are a professional organization. They have top-notch players in a very limited sense. When they came out there, I think they were practitioners of the fact that, hey, we're the huge underdogs here. We're going to go out and hit these guys upside of the face and see how they respond. And I think the Chiefs may have been taken a little bit aback by all of that. But by the same token, when you're talking about the overall level of things, hey, the Kansas City Chiefs are just so much better. And uh, as a result... You uh, you saw what happened there. They're just a better team than the Steelers and able to to route them. That, the Steelers really didn't belong in the playoffs. They more than backed in. They were shoved in by yeah. a, a mm-hmm. by a fortunate stretch of circumstances. But they are not really all that uh, that good a team at all. How concerned were you as you were watching just the first quarter of that game? Did you have any concern at all? Ned? About the about the Chiefs? Yeah. Oh no, none none whatsoever. You knew they were going to win the game. <laughs> Yeah, would, but they, they they still just didn't look like that. They still looked out of sync. Well, they're going. That can happen. That yeah. can happen to any pro team. Again, you're facing other professional athletes. This is not necessarily a circumstance in which 
it's a college team against a pro team or a high school team against a college team. There's not that big a differential. But the fact is that the Chiefs came in there, may have been a little taken aback, may have been a little shaky by the fact that it is a playoff game, the first one, and there's a lot riding on it. Uh, but over and above that, the talent level was obviously going to supersede everything else that went on. John, your thoughts after you watched that game last week? Um, as you asked Ned, was I scared at any point? No, I was a little iffy in the first quarter, maybe. Um, they did look a little disjointed, but I'm proud to say in this particular instance, the Chiefs defense stepped up big in this game. I mean, the number of forced fumbles, just the way they were on Ben and the receivers all day. And I will say, I forget the young man's name, but the young receiver for Pittsburgh, him dropping at least four passes that I can remember during the game, that just takes the steam out of any team. So I I thought it was a pretty decided thing by early in the second half. Josh? Well, I think what you saw was the the Steelers gave their best shot in the first quarter, and then that's all they had. (laughs) They were worn out. They were gassed. I agree with Ned. I mean, they got into the playoffs by happenstance, just the oddest of occurrences that you could imagine. So, yeah, they weren't a playoff team, really. So it was a little concerning in that first quarter because I'm like, what is this what we're going to get all games? They're going to slog through this thing and have a really close game that shouldn't be close? But then the Chiefs did wake up, and they, they turned it on. So they played a great game overall, take away that first quarter. I really felt that the Chiefs had looked out of sync for, I guess you'd say, seven quarters mm-hmm. until they hit the second quarter of that mm-hmm. game. They didn't look great in the second half of the game against the Cincinnati Bengals. They did not look great against Denver at any point in that game. Really, they got their butts saved by a great defensive play yeah. in that game. And then the first quarter of that game, their offense, let's face it, let's be honest, the offense has looked lethargic Mm -hmm. for a little while here. What do you attribute that to, just the ups and downs of sports? Yes, more than anything else, yes. You cannot put some kind of a physical determination on why the human species reacts the way it does. Mm -hmm. And in the case of the Chiefs, they're just a very good football team that because of whatever went through a bit of a slump and may still be going through it. Now, if today's game, if that slump is of any depth at all, you're going to have some trouble because Buffalo's a very good football team. (laughs) But I don't think it will. I think the Chiefs will emerge. They'll come out really firing on all cylinders. Keep in mind now, the Chiefs read the newspapers, too, and listen to the media and look at the point spreads, and they see a 12-and-a-half-point pick over Pittsburgh. We're going to run against the, over this team. We beat the hell out of them the day after Christmas. We're going to do it again. There's a certain level of psychological deprivation that goes into that. They may not have been immediately ready to play, but ultimately you knew they would be. What do you think of the seven-quarter slump? What's your opinion about it? Oh, again, every team in the NFL goes through slumps. The Chiefs had theirs early in the season. Buffalo had theirs. Buffalo was uh, very much a slumping football team. Uh, what, at midseason when they lost, what, uh, five of six or whatever mm-hmm. whatever it was that they lost? Yeah. Uh, here we're watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are the reigning champions. They're in a bit of a slump right now. They're not playing particularly well. Green Bay Packers. These things happen. These are pro athletes, and you see it in every single sport. You're going to have your ups and your downs. The good teams, the down level is is rather brief. But, by this, again, anything can happen and, mm-hmm. and probably is going to. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, your local live sports talk show. We get you ready for the Chiefs pregame show, which starts 
in about 50 minutes, hosted by Art Haynes, Dan Israel, and Mitch Holtis. John, do you think the Chiefs are back on track, or do you think it was just a bad Pittsburgh team? Uh, I think they're back on track. I've thought that for a few weeks now. I mean, yeah, they sprinkled in a loss to the Bengals, but I think I talked about that before the season even began, that I thought that game was going to go poorly at that point in the season. Uh, Other than that, they've looked fine to me. I think they will step it up for this game. Another thing people have to realize is Kelsey and Hill have been banged up for these last few games, so they do look out of sorts. Edwards Hilaire has been out. You know, it's not that we don't have capable backups. Pringle, Hardman, you know, Derek Gore, those type of guys absolutely can play. They've shown it this year, but they're not your starting A team. So it changes plays, it changes the mindset, and that can affect them. I think, you know, if Edwards Hilaire plays today, everybody else is healthy. I think if they're firing on all cylinders, they're going to beat this Buffalo team. I don't think Edwards Hilaire is their best running back. That's up for debate at this point. I have to agree with you. I really don't think that he's, he's, I mean, there's no knocking him. I'm not saying that he's a bad running back. Don't, Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying that everybody that's taken that starting job Mm-hmm. Whether it be McKinnon, whether it be Williams, whether it be Derek Gore, they've all shown something. It's like McKinnon had a great game last week. Oh, yeah. I was game. very impressed with him. He's mm-hmm. the fourth string running back. Right. I'm like, where's this guy been at? Yeah. And then it's kind of funny because you'll see guys like Derek Gore. We saw him, I don't know, let's say about week 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. He had a really, really good game. And the announcer said, you know, Andy Reid's got a lot of getting a lot of confidence in this kid. We didn't see him again for right. those three weeks, <laughs> and it, and and Clyde edwards Hilaire has not played badly. But no. I, I I think Williams is actually the best best guy. He's the guy that I'd like to see back full strength because he's the one that can, has made some big plays. Plays with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. What do you think about the uh, the Steelers in the in Kansas City and, and the slump, the so called slump? I'm putting air quotes around that. <laughs> oh, I think it's legitimate, I, and I think there could be several factors involved. You know, the the Chiefs got to the point where they had won the division, but they knew they weren't going to be the number one seed. Although they still had a little bit of a chance, so you wonder how much effort they were putting in those last couple of games just to to save themselves for the playoffs. And then the Steelers, like I said, you know, the Steelers are going to game plan to give their best against the team that is considered the best in the NFL. So uh, I think there's a lot of that back and forth, the whole chess game of of football that was going on there. But uh, I could, I think it's legitimate to say that the Chiefs were really not firing on all c- cylinders in that seven-quarter slump. But it looks like they woke up in the second quarter of that game. So we'll see if that carries over today. I hope it does because Buffalo is good. Well, every team that they're going to face from here on in is going to be good. Yeah. I mean, really good because, the, you know, Cincinnati's already penciled in. Yeah. They're in the AFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. The winner of this game plays them. They have to travel to whatever location to play. Mm-hmm. But that's going to be a tough matchup for either the Bills or the Chiefs. Do you, what's, what's Andy Reid dial up at this point, Ned, to get his guys motivated to avoid the slump and go, all right, Maybe we've coasted from time to time during the season, but now we got to focus. Joe, I don't think he says a thing. 
He knows what these guys, they know what they can do. They're getting paychecks for being professional athletes. They know what's at stake. They don't need some coach to get up there and tell them, we've got to get out there and fight, fight, fight for old Siwash. Uh-uh. <laughs> they are professional athletes. They psych themselves up, and they know what the challenges are. These guys all know each other, too. Come on. Mm-hmm. They uh, fraternize uh, during the offseason. They know what they have and what they can't do. They don't, don't want to be embarrassed by anybody, the Bills, by any of the Kansas City D-backs or the Bills receivers want to excel in circumstances. Same with any of the defensive levels of things. It, it's more of a it's a professional aspect and focal point on what you're doing. And that's what these guys are. They're getting good paychecks for playing this game. They don't need anything, don't need a coach to tell them. Coach to formulate the plays, yes, but not to psychologically get them ready. So what's the difference between this Chiefs team that lost to Buffalo, and I mean handily lost to Buffalo, earlier in the season, and the one the Buffalo will face today? A defensive scheme that's totally different from what it had been. Chris Jones was on the opposite side of where he had been. Now you've got Melvin Ingram in there who is uh, offsetting Chris Jones, who's been able to go back to his defensive position on the right side. Much more effective there. And the defense has become far, far more aggressive than they were. Watch the way they tackle. Uh, They weren't doing this early in the year during that slump. They're, They're going after these people, and they're physically trying to manhandle them now. That can come back to haunt you if you do that too often in a game. But again, it's helping the Chiefs, I think, refocus on what they're supposed to do. The Chiefs, and I've said it before many times on this show, they're the best team in the NFL. Not just in the AFC, they're the best team in the NFL. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win everything in sight. But it does mean that they're going to be awfully tough to handle every time out. What do you think, John? What's the difference between the Chiefs and the Bills earlier in the season and today well as you probably remember joe i was at that bills game and man was it ugly i mean i can't come away with very many positives at all that was the week after they'd signed josh gordon he made one of the only catches that actually looked like he played football before that was a very dismal point for the chiefs from that they have made a lot of changes on the defensive front I cannot overestimate the importance. In no way am I diminishing the role of a head coach. A head coach can be a motivator. As someone who's coached before, you absolutely need a good coach. But in addition to that, you need guys that step up among the team that can talk at a peer-to-peer level to these individuals. The Melvin Ingrams, the Tyron Matthews, the Tyreek Hills, the Kelseys, the Mahomes. Those guys step up and they get these guys motivated to do what they need to do. And we've seen the Chiefs the last few years bring in veteran guys for that exact purpose. And I think the same thing this year. Again, I cannot overstate the importance of Melvin Ingram being added to this team. Josh, what do you think? What's the difference in this team that we are seeing today, the the Chiefs and the Bills that are playing today? I think there's two differences. I'll repeat what these guys have said. The defense really changed, got back to their places of strength, and that's made a huge difference. Having Melvin Ingram in there has been an inspiration because the dude plays so (laughs) aggressively. It's great. He's motivated these guys to play harder. But also, again, I pointed out earlier, at the beginning of the season, their offensive line was all brand new. Mm -hmm. Those guys hadn't played together, so it took them a while to gel. Once they gelled, Mm -hmm. they were able to protect Mahomes, and that made the offense flourish a little more. And then on top of that, the guys that had been 
not getting many reps, guys like Pringle and Hardiman and, and Williams and Gore, mm-hmm. out of necessity, were for, forced into the starting lineup and getting a lot more reps. So that got them more used to that part of the game. Mm-hmm. So now they've got better depth. Now I'm going to ask you to use your imagination for a minute. Let's say that the four of us are talking with Eastern accents and we're sitting on a radio station in Buffalo. We're wearing our parkas. <laughs> And we're talking about the Bills. We're part of the Bills Mafia, and we want to know uh, what are we what are we going to say that would be different about the Bills, though, at this point, how they play and how they've done since they've had their own slump. What we're going to say is that the Bills are playing just as they had at the start of the year. They're very aggressive on offense. Josh Allen is having a big, big time with his great core of receivers. They're running backs while not Devin Singletary's fine player, fine player. Uh, probably not as good as the Chiefs in terms of their overall aspect of of uh, offense, but still pretty good. We're going to go out there and going to play just as we did in that early game when we blew out Kansas City 38-20. to We're going to play just like that. We're going to go up and hit them in the side of the head and make sure they know that we're here and just going to be awfully tough, and we're going to win. They'll make that emphasis on their broadcast. You were born in the East Coast. I thought you'd give us a really good East Coast accent there, but yeah, you did go If I delve back into it, I'll go back to it again. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're getting set for the Chiefs and the Bills. It's coming up, the pregame show, at least in 40 minutes, right here on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk. On 104.7, The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7, The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Joe West and John Oliver, Josh Roberts, and Ned Reynolds, the guy the show is named after. I don't know if he likes that idea or not because... Sometimes I think he regrets what we say on the show, but still, (laughs) here we are getting you set for the Chiefs and the Bills that's coming your way. 325, I think, is kickoff. No, no, no. 525 525. is the kickoff today. I'm used to certain times, and when we switch out of those times, I get confused. I'm to the age where I get confused all the time. Ned has reached the age of clarity, though, haven't you? I am so far beyond the age of getting confused now. All, all of every waking second is confusion. I'm still here? Oh, my God, what happened? We were talking about the uh, the Chiefs and the Bills. That's the playoff game. Let's let's take a look at the, pic- the playoff picture, see if it's any clearer for anybody else. Uh, Green Bay lost yesterday. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on that game? I'm, I'm shocked, in all honesty. I was not shocked at I'm the not. primary uh, primary game at all. That that one, uh, you know, I, I really felt like Tennessee may be uh, a team that could be beaten, and they were beaten by the Cincinnati Bengals, and I thought a pretty good victory. But Green Bay losing at home and the conditions to a team from the West Coast absolutely surprised the daylights out of me. And the way they lost it, Green Bay was ahead, had the game wrapped up, or thought they did, blocked, punt, Things like that. That doesn't happen to Green Bay. And then I, I didn't realize this, didn't see too much of all of the action, but I didn't realize when the winning field goal was kicked, the Packers had 10 players on the field. Yes, only That's 10. inexcusable. You can't have that at any level of sport. 
So as a result, that one did surprise me. This one, this game right here that's currently in progress, Los Angeles and Tampa Bay, is surprising me. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers aren't even showing up behind 20-3, to and the Rams about to go into the end zone again. What, what on earth is happening? Well, my prediction, guys, and I'm not that I'm one of those... I told you so. But my prediction early (laughs) in the year was that the Los Angeles Rams would play in the Super Bowl the Mm -hmm. second straight year that the home team plays on its own home field and that they would play the Chiefs. That was my pick. That that is still still in vogue at the moment. (laughs) All right. I am not surprised at all about Green Bay losing because they seemingly lose in the first round every year. I mean, I think if we look at recent history, that's what's happened to Green Bay. And I also saw a statistic yesterday that home field advantage was not that big a deal for Green Bay that they frequently lose at home mm-hmm. in the playoffs. So, well, not a, not a not shocker sh- to me. I think Green Bay's I think Green Bay's overrated every year and I think Aaron Rodgers is overrated. Joe, that's a now what's overrated is your statement, right? No, there. no, 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 no. No, completely. 2008, they lost at home in brutal conditions, and it was Brett Favre's last year. Mm -hmm. New York Giants came in there and surprised them. I think it was in overtime, if I remember, and terrible conditions. Last night, same thing, and it may have been Aaron Rodgers' last game with the Green Bay Packers, but Mm -hmm. by and large, they have a pretty significant home field advantage up there. A big crowd advantage, number one, but number two, the advantage of the climate, although it certainly did not come to the fore last night. Mm -hmm. So from that aspect of things, no. Statistically, I think I saw yesterday that from, I don't remember what years it was, they have a losing record at Lambeau Mm -hmm. in the playoffs. So that's that's what I'm referring to. And mm. and I think I, I just want to I don't have a great deal of confidence in Green Bay because their their history from season to season is they make it to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think they play in an incredibly weak division and then they get bounced in the first round because they're just overrated. Mm-hmm. And I think Aaron Rodgers is overrated, too. That's just <laughs> that's my opinion on that. I'm sharing that with everybody right now. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Overrated. Overrated, but he's also the National Football League most valuable player. Yeah. So, yep. So do you overrate MVPs? (laughs) Yes, I think you do in the NFL. I think sometimes, I think sometimes in in all major sports right now, there's this kind of uh, need to give it to the same guy over and over and over again. I I think that happens in the NBA. I think it happens in Major League Baseball, and I think Mm -hmm. it happens in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, he had a great season. Let's give it to him. We talked about Derrick Henry last week. I mean, the guy was the, you know, still top 10 leading rusher, not even playing. (laughs) That's the most valuable player to Mm -hmm. me. Nothing about Aaron Rodgers' season that I go, wow. You know, it was an ex- I, I want to see extraordinary numbers. I want to see something that makes me go, wow, when I look at a guy's numbers. I didn't get that from Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. This game surprising me a little bit because Tampa Bay, you know, it's it always hard to bet against Tom Brady. I just, I feel like it's, it's as Josh has pointed out, he's got a lot of friends in black and white. Mm-hmm. And he, and in Vegas. And in Vegas. Well, one of them is not the hockey league kid who is refereeing today because he just got through calling an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Tom Brady. Tom, ah, really? Tom Brady went back to throw. Tom's losing his cool. Uh, he threw the ball and then got belted hard up top. Hands to the face, nothing called. He turned around to hockey league and went nose, face mask to nose with him mm-hmm. and got a unsportsmanlike conduct Kick penalty. Kick him out. 
Were you surprised, John? I know you were you were a little bit of a Titans guy. Were you surprised that they uh, they lost yesterday? I wasn't. Uh, just due to the fact I've seen the Bengals play a lot this year. Um, I'm sorry. I know. Well, no, I'm not sorry. They've been fun to watch. Um, it, if you look at the Titans, Henry was back, and he had a pretty good game, you know, for not having played in weeks. The Titans aren't a bad team, and I can say the same thing about Green Bay. I think Green Bay is going to prosper under Jordan Love as a starter. I really do. They've got good personnel still. I think the Packers have a great team. Same thing with the Titans. They have a great team, but Ryan Tannehill is not the answer. And you keep beating your head against that proverbial wall. If they could get somebody in, say a Russell Wilson, someone of that caliber to guide that offense, they would be a much improved team. And, you know, it's one of those things. Sometimes, you know, you think you've got your franchise quarterback and you have to make a change. We've seen it time and time again in the NFL. And, you know, Joe, I often talk about, you know, uh, bulletin board material. Well, on draft day, many moons ago, Aaron Rodgers was passed over by the 49ers. And he was asked by a reporter, what do you think about the Niners passing over you? And he said, well, they're going to regret it for the rest of that (laughs) franchise's future. I will add Aaron Rodgers is 0-4 against the San Francisco 49ers since that point. No regrets there. No. Right. In playoffs, I I should say. In the playoffs. 49ers are one of the best teams going into the playoffs. Yes. I think they're playing really good football right now. I disagree with you. I think Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback for the team. I I saw him throw an incredible pass yesterday down the sideline. Guy caught it one hand going into the end zone, just a fan, you know what they call a dime. It was just a perfect pass. And, uh, you know, defensively, I think they need to shore up that team and probably get him a little help on that offensive line, too. I mean, that's really the key. All these guys are good. We say this over and over again. All these guys are really good quarterbacks. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter who they are. You put the guy in the right scheme and you get somebody to block for him they're going to be successful. If mm-hmm. you're a franchise that does not put any stock in that, see the New York Jets, mm-hmm. <laughs> see a couple other Detroit organizations Lions. out there that just yeah. really don't care. Yeah. You, you know, we, you guys were talking about it before we went on the air about uh, the Ravens. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dilfer is not, well, it's not a great quarterback, not a guy. No. It's that serviceable or mm-hmm. game manager thing. Tannehill's better than that. He's a great quarterback. I am going to disagree with you on if he's the quarterback for the Titans. At time and time again in crunch time with them in the playoffs, I've seen him make mental errors. So Aaron Rodgers. I'm not denying that either at all. So sometimes, yeah, quarterbacks can be good, but still might not be good for their team. There are other teams they may excel with. We've seen that when guys have moved on. So I do not think Ryan Tannehill is a bad quarterback. I just don't think he's right for the Titans moving forward. Three best teams, I think, are left in the AFC. Would you agree, Josh? Yes. Although I was a little surprised that Tennessee lost to the Bengals. But the Bengals are playing so hot coming into the playoffs. <laughs> that's, that's you know, that carried over. And I was, I think I was banking on a 100% healthy Derrick Henry. No. I don't think he was. No. And then John and I were talking about how uh, they need more weapons. That's what they yes. need. They don't need a new quarterback. They need a couple of really premier receivers to take some pressure off of Derrick Henry to create more RPOs or or uh, play action and then I think they'll be a Super Bowl team uh, because Derrick Henry is just, he's a monster he's amazing, <laughs> but if you 
devote your whole offensive or defensive line to stopping the run. I can't name a receiver on the Titans team. I mean, that's just me. Yeah. I'm sure you guys can. Oh, yeah. AJ, um, AJ Brown's talented. But yes, I do yeah. believe that the, the best teams are left in the AFC. Uh, I'm worried about this game with the Chiefs because the Bills are playing so well. They are so solid on both mm-hmm. sides of the, of the ball. Uh, and I, I did pick the 49ers to beat the Packers because I'm done with the Packers. <laughs> I, well, I, you know, I agree. I just I looked at that game. I, I picked the 49ers, too. I looked at that game. I picked Tennessee to win, but I really thought that that was a pick game. I'll be honest with you. Sure. I think today's a pick game oh, between yeah, the Chiefs and the Bills. It's not going to surprise me yeah. if it goes either way. I'm naturally, I'm rooting for the Chiefs, but... I could see the Bills winning this game. Uh, not going to spoil my pick in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, I think the Chiefs have to, you know, really bear down at this point and look at things and go, okay, we're facing, we're probably facing teams that be, we are definitely facing teams that have beat us this season. Mm-hmm. What do we do different to improve? We're about 25 away, 25 minutes away from the start of the pregame show. We'll be back with more Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. <laughs> You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. During the commercial breaks, my uh, alter ego, Jethro Bodine, shows up. <laughs> yeah, he did. Starts talking about stuff. What's going on in the world of sports that we need to know about, Ned? Let's start with baseball. Has anything happened at all? It will, at least I hope it will. On Tuesday, when the players present a new contract offer to the owners, probably nothing will happen, but that's not the way it works. The protocol or alleged protocol that they have in these negotiations is how the teams react and what they say to the media. I got a little bit of hope. After that first one, after the 42 days of absence and the owners presented their proposal, and my hope was that the players, you know, weren't going to accept it. That never happens. But the players did say they were unimpressed. They did not call the owners, you dirty rack of frats, blah, 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 and so forth. Didn't do that. There was no acrimony. You guys are too young to remember that commercial. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Anyway, the bottom line is that there was no name-calling, no bickering, and so forth and so on. Of course, the meeting only lasted, what, about seven or eight minutes. No, I'm sorry, it didn't. It was over an hour. It was an hour. Now, this one that they have coming up, that that was a Zoom meeting. This one will be face-to-face, which (laughs) boggles my mind because their offices are only four four blocks apart, (laughs) something like that. You mean you can't meet face-to-face? Anyway, they will on Tuesday. It'll be the players who present the new contract, how the owners respond to that. It's not going to get solved right away. No. But depending on what the reaction is to the public, to the press, I think you can make a determination whether or not they're making any progress. I've said it before, said it on Mike's show that we do, and and it's said it last week. These two sides had better grow the hell up and do it in a hurry because they are harming the sport, which is already number three 
rated of the four top sports. Mm-hmm. Used to be baseball was one. It's now number three behind the NBA, for heaven's sake. That's right. And you're going to harm it even more in the public's eye if you drag this thing out and, and turn it into a delay of the season, maybe even no season at all. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work. John, your thoughts? Ned hit the nail on the head, I think, with the fact that another lost season or even a portion of a season lost will be kind of the death knell for baseball as we know it. I don't. I think baseball would still continue to exist, but do I think it would compete with the other major sports? Absolutely not. The NFL and the NBA have exciting young players right now. There's a lot to get excited about. There hasn't been a work stoppage in a long while. Baseball is, and people can disagree with me on this, they've had some great heights since the strike. But I don't think they've ever fully recovered from the strike. Things like Ripken Jr. breaking the consecutive games record. As much as people wanted to cry it now, the home rate, home run race between McGuire and Sosa helped bring some people back. Barry Bonds. But, and Barry Bonds did with that chase, yeah. <laughs> and then repelled some on top of that. But... As far as baseball goes, they need to understand this game is about the fans. The owners want their money. The players want their money. Nobody is going to get paid if these guys don't go through the turnstiles. So you've got to stop making this look like two crying toddlers that are millionaires and billionaires fighting over whose toys are whose. Figure out a compromise. Get it done. I don't even really know what the major issues are in this. I mean, I don't know where they're. I, I think I heard you talk about it with Mike the other day. It's free agencies where mm-hmm. they're really drawing the line at. And I get where the players are coming from with that. I, I do side with them on this mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, there's a lot of times that, that the owners and teams will keep players in minor leagues longer than they should be there mm-hmm. so that they can keep that player under control longer. But, Joe, that has been addressed, and while it hasn't been cured yet because there's no, no signing of a contract, I think it will be. I, I that, so that, that whole problem is going to be erased. But I, what is not is an underlying thought that this commissioner of Major League Baseball, Mr. Manfred, who, from a philosophical standpoint, I am in 100% disagreement with everything he does. <laughs> There is a school of thought. Now, keep in mind, the commissioner of baseball is hired by the owners, Mm -hmm. and it's his job to make sure the owners get the very best deal. It is also perhaps his job to break that union, and it may be that that's what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. I have a thought. Okay. As a casual baseball fan, here's what they need to do. They need to wind that ball as tight as it'll go. They need to let batters use steroids, but not pitchers. <laughs> and then the game would be so exciting because someone would hit 120 home runs. But th- honestly, that's what that's what makes the game le- the very oh, least exciting because it, I know, so many home kidding. runs makes a game last mm-hmm. hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I'm just I'm being facetious. Bum, I mean, but nine, yeah, as a casual baseball out. fan, I think the problem is baseball moves slower. Overall, than these other sports that have eclipsed it. In football popularity. moves incredibly. Josh, well. Yes, it football does. Football is like used 10 to, seconds of though, That's just three. it. It didn't yes. used to because of the way it was played. Right mm-hmm. now, it is home run or strikeout. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. that gets boring after a while. Oh, I love God, baseball. Yes. Don't get me wrong, Joe. And like I told you last week, I want to dive deeper into baseball this coming season if there is one. Excellent. But that is what the the casual baseball fan, the casual fan of sports turns away from baseball more often because the nature of the game 
is not that constant stream of action. I love the fact that you can get up and walk out on a game and, you know, mow the lawn or whatever and come back in. <laughs> it can be a completely different baseball game than when you left it. And you're like, <laughs> oh, right. I'm going to sit down and watch the rest of this. Now, let me ask you this because you brought up a really interesting point there. Do you Have you been getting a sense from... I know you talk to a lot of people that that is the the movement here is to break the union. Not not in a tangible sense, no. But I think the underlying agreement from the owners is these people. The owners won the last contract battle. Mm-hmm. The and it did not. The players like to say it significantly weakened their stance. You're making three and a half million dollars, and you're significantly weaker. Hell, I'd like to be that weak. <laughs> anyway, the bottom line is this: there is an underlying thought that that's what the owners are trying to do, and it, it, it's more of a tacit agreement not to break them to where it shambles, but to let them know who is boss. Mm-hmm. We're the boss. And I promise you guys, if they were to go on strike, the players not go in, owners lock them out, the owners win. Yes. Because those paychecks ain't coming in. Yeah. Yeah, so no, there's no revenue coming in, though, either to the teams. And I, everybody, Joe, everybody, everybody loses. generals of industry that you're talking about. I agree they're generals of industry. I, I totally agree. But this is not, this is not a coal mine. This is, I'm, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not demeaning anybody. Right. I'm not demeaning anybody. If you're a professional, whatever it is that you do, you should be paid professional money for whatever it is you do. And the owners are the ones that are responsible for the state of the game one thousand percent. Because how can you look at a at a, a worker and say to the worker, "You're making too much money." I know I signed you to that contract. I wanted you so bad that I was going to pay you three hundred million dollars, thirty million dollars a year. But you're making too much money. It and, isn't and a matter a- of them making too much. It's a matter of what the younger players coming in are going to be able to accrue as they get older yeah. and in terms of their service. And this ultimately is going to cost the industry a, a lot of money unless they do put some controls on it. Now, the players, they can't argue about what they're making. The average is $3,700,000 yeah. a year. That's pretty good money, guys. Mm-hmm. And there are many of them who are up in the $35 million category, Mike Trout and people like that, who deserve to be. They are stars of the industry. But by the again, when you take a look at what lies in store and what they're arguing over, it is the future of the game, how the players are going to be compensated, the annuities that all go into this and their length of service and when they are eligible for certain major paydays. And, and that's that can become a little bit dicey. I, I'm going to disagree with you and say nobody wins. If if there's a lockout, because the sport will just, it'll, it'll almost cease That's to exist. what we've just said, yeah, yeah that nobody will win it. Yeah, nobody's going to win in this thing. So let's talk about, well, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. I know we, I said earlier that he was overrated, so let's talk about <laughs> a, an overrated quarterback and uh, go around the table and ask everybody, where do you see, start with Ned, where do you I see Aaron Rodgers being wouldn't next be year? at all surprised, first of all, I wouldn't be surprised to see him stay in Green Bay. But mm-hmm. if he is going to move, boy, there's a... An opening in Denver that would be perfect for him. It's type of climate that he's accustomed to. Has a young team that's going to be pretty good. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them come after him, the Denver Broncos. What are your thoughts, John? I am not one who's going to deny how great of a quarterback Aaron Rodgers has been in the NFL. He's a surefire Hall of Famer. I will. (laughs) Do I think sometimes he's overrated? Sure, but a lot of the quarterbacks are. 
I think the Packers have made it very clear to Rodgers they want to move on to the youth that they have. They wouldn't have drafted Jordan Love where they did. They wouldn't have created the fiasco we went through with the holdout. They, I think, are ready to move on. Now, from that, it depends on what Rodgers wants to do. If he still has the fire to play, there's plenty of teams out there, like Ned mentioned, Denver. There's other teams that would be interested in him. But I could also see Rodgers just deciding, you know what? I've made my money. I've won Super Bowls. I'm just going to walk away. So, no, I don't. I don't think his ego is going to let him do that at all. That's that's the question I that really he's going to have to answer. Keep in mind, happen. when he agreed to come back last year, the Packers gave him that option. They mm-hmm. said, "All right, play for us this year. Next year, twenty twenty two, twenty three. Exactly. Uh, you have. You can do whatever you wish." Mm-hmm. Josh, quickly, your thoughts. I hope he retires. Tired. <laughs> you hope you're. Uh, well, where do you think he's going to play though? Oh, if he plays next year, he'll he'll still be in Green Bay. Really? Yeah. Okay. I say Tampa Bay. We'll be back in a few minutes. More Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. If you're just turning on the radio and going, hail, this ain't Led Zeppelin. Well, it's not. It's Ned Talk, your local live sports talk show. We sit around and shoot the breeze about sports. We usually start before the Chiefs game, which is what we're doing today. Mm-hmm. About four minutes away from the start of the pregame show. So it's time for us to do our picks Mr. Reynolds, I'm going to start with you. What do you got? What's your score? Who's your team? I've been uh, very surprised at seeing some of the national pundits, uh, not in a great number, but quite a few of them, picking the Buffalo Bills to win this. I am not going to pick the Kansas City Chiefs. They do think it will be a terrific game. The over-under in this one is between 53 and 55, depending on the book that you're playing. That's a lot of points. I'm not sure that that'll be reached, but if it is, it'll be a high score, obviously a high scoring game. And I think the Chiefs win in a high scoring game, 38 34. It may come down to just the final plays. Buffalo does have the advantage of having beaten Kansas, excuse me, Kansas City earlier this season. And that occurred, of course, back in October on a stormy night in Kansas City. But teams are altogether different now. I do like the way Kansas City plays very aggressively on defense. I think that may ultimately make the difference. I like the Chiefs to win 38-34. Giselle looks like she's about ready to leave the game. They had a, they showed a picture of Tom Brady's wife up in the box, and she was, like, headed for the door. And they said, <laughs> oh, you're on TV. Better stop. Okay, John, what do you got in today's game? I am going to go with a somewhat close game. I do think the Chiefs' defense is going to step up. I'm going to go Chiefs 31, Bills 22. What do you think, Mr. Robertson? Everybody get ready to throw something. Yeah, I think the Bills are going to beat them. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be fairly high scoring. I'm going to say 28-24 Buffalo, and I hope mm-hmm. I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But Buffalo just looks so good yeah. on both sides of the ball. It's going to be tough for the Chiefs to match that, I feel. All right, here's my pick. Chiefs 56, oh. Bills 10. Oof. Whoa. I think they're just going to overwhelm them. I mean, it's, who cares? I mean, really, it's a pick. Everybody knows we don't know anything. Right. It doesn't matter what we say. I mean, I could say 1,000 to 1, you know, and it's, it just doesn't make any different difference. It's two and a half, which is essentially it's a, it, Kansas City. It's a pick 'em. When you see two and a half yeah, and the home team gets that favorite role, that's a pick 'em mm-hmm. game. 
So we don't know where we'll be next week. We hope that we're on next Sunday, but mm -hmm. you never know. We'll get it all figured out in the interim. Thanks, Mr. Reynolds. I appreciate you being here. The pleasure is mine on a beautiful Sunday, and thank goodness it's a little bit warmer and the sun's out. Mr. Oliver, thank you once again for stepping in and being here. Absolutely. Always my appreciate pleasure. it. Mr. Roberts, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for putting the cot here so I can sleep here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> want to say thanks to Brian Tyndall, Corbin Campbell, Mike the Intern, Nick Fury gets set. Pre-game show gets ready to start here in about a minute. And then, of course, kickoff 525 tonight. Chiefs and the Bills. AFC Divisional Game coming up right here in 104.7 The Cave. Your home for the AFC West champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Go Chiefs! <laughs>